Thanks for listening to the best of the Doug Gottlieb Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday from 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time. That's 12 to 3 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Doug Gottlieb Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. This is the best of the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Pete Futek at collegefootballnews.com joining us. And Pete, are you, uh, are you numb to the fact right now that we are uh, likely going to get a, another canceled holiday bowl? Or does it sting just as much as the first one as these bowls are going by the wayside? Honestly, at this point, it's just a bowl. Okay, you know, I get defensive back. You know, bad play, move on to the next one. All right, we didn't have a Hawaii Bowl. We still had Christmas. You know, it still went on. You know, there, there's not going to be a Holiday Bowl, and there's going to be a next a bowl coming up 10 minutes later. Like, it's, all right, you can't go. All right, let's keep moving on. But it's, look, how dumb are you? Like, you know there's a virus. All you have to do is lock your team down away from every other human being for like three weeks or two weeks. We're not talking about a season. Just keep do what the college football playoff teams are doing and keep your guys under wraps for just a while. Don't let them see any other human contact for like two weeks, then test them, and then you should have enough guys to go. Like, I, 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 whether or not you agree with how this is all working – Everyone kind of knows the deal. It's just, how do you not get your team totally locked down a couple weeks before the big game of your bowl season? So Utah and Ohio State going to Disneyland yesterday was not the best idea. I would get, like, what are you doing? Like, what, like, like, like look, I, look I, I'm certainly not going to get into that debate about, you know, do what you want and all that kind of stuff. But if your job is to go out there and play a football game, and you're seeing left and right teams games getting whacked. Like, wh- like that's why. And like the, I understood the, the initial backlash against Bill Hancock in the, in the college football playoff uh, committee for their draconian idea of like, well, if you can't play, you forfeit. At first, it's like, whoa, wait a minute, what are you doing here? But obviously, you got to do that because. If you're telling them what the deal is, and so we're not just going to adjust these games for you now. Can you adjust the bowls? Can you play the Holiday Bowl next week? Yeah, probably. We can, you can figure this out. And for some reason, these bowl games just don't really want to do that. So, look, I, I love bowls. You love bowls. We all love bowls. But they're kind of showing that eh, if you don't play them, eh, okay, it's an exhibition, we move on. And it just kind of shows how the, the system has to change overall. Because it kind of exposes just how disposable these games really are. Pete Futek joining us here on the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio, collegefootballnews.com. Get him on Twitter, at Pete Futek. Let's talk about the two games that we think are going to happen, um, at least for sure. Those are the college football semifinals. I've gotten the sense, Pete, that the the closer and closer that we get to this game, the more and more people think that uh, Michigan is going to beat Georgia. How do you feel about that semifinal coming up on Friday? Uh, I'm, I'm picking Georgia, so go with Michigan because I am awful at picking. Great at picking national championship games, and I'm usually all right at bowl games. I can't get college football playoff semifinal games to save my life. So I mean, at least against the spread, because usually they're pretty obvious. But this one, I think Georgia's about to come roaring. Look, I, I 
I, the margin between these elite of the elite teams is just finite enough where you could have a game like the SEC championship where Alabama absolutely needed that game, Georgia didn't, and Alabama sort of play, finally kind of locked down and played like it's supposed to, and Georgia really kind of didn't. I, I now think that the Georgia defense rises up, and this is the D that we saw for most of the season and not the one that we saw against uh, Alabama in Atlanta several weeks ago. The one problem, though, is Stetson Bennett. Okay, he's a nice quarterback. He's been good all year because he hasn't been under any stress whatsoever. And he wasn't even that bad in the SEC championship game. It certainly wasn't his fault. But their NFL starting quarterback is on the bench, and you're starting Stetson Bennett still, and it's a little late in the game to mess around with that. That's the only thing that kind of freaks me out about this. Uh, but I think Georgia is about to go on a roll here. Uh, and I think this defense is about to show up large in this week and then in Indianapolis in a few weeks. Does Michigan have the wide receivers that can attack the Georgia secondary? Not obviously to extent Alabama did because that's impossible. They don't have those players. But enough because I, I talked to Michigan coaches uh, and they feel – like the secondary, same as Alabama did, right? Like that's where you make your money yep. and your yards on Georgia. Do they have enough guys to at least get some chunk plays on Georgia's secondary? Oh, absolutely. They, they do. They, you're right. They do not have the you know top end of the first round draft guys like Alabama has, and they don't have Bryce Young under center. Uh, but they do have a good enough and efficient enough game. Uh, look at the Wisconsin game, for example. Uh, the way you beat with that great Wisconsin defense this year was to be able to make just a couple of big plays down the field, and they were able to do it. You know, they, they were able to Wisconsin did what it did against the run, and then when the, the the Wolverines had to go up top and do something with their passing game, they were able to get just enough to make it happen. No, you're not going to be able to bomb away on this Georgia secondary. Uh, but you got to assume also that that running game is not going to be great. So if you are uh, the, the Wolverines, you've got to just be prepared for a slugfest, and you've got to take advantage of every opportunity you have. You know, remember, the opening game of the year against Clemson. Pete Futak joining us here on Fox Sports Radio. He's Jeff Schwartz. I'm Dan Byer sitting in for Doug Gottlieb. Last one from me, Pete. And, and I, I mean this because I think it's actually a, a pretty heavy question, but does it matter how Cincinnati fares against Alabama? Uh, in the larger scheme of things, probably not. Because um, look, Alabama's Alabama; they do that to everybody. Yeah. Uh, but but look, this is. I argued all year long that no, Cincinnati does not deserve to be here. They had one good win, and it's not fair to do that uh, if you have one nice performance. But they got the starting twenty-two. You know, they've got the secondary, they've got the quarterback, they've got the guys that can hang with or beat an Alabama team in a one-game shot. Remember, Alabama had first in 98 with only three points on the board against Auburn. They struggled against Arkansas and put them away. They struggled against Florida. They struggled against LSU. They lost to Texas A&M. This has not been the most razor-sharp and consistent of Alabama teams all year long. And certainly Cincinnati has got the guys that can at least hang around with them. Uh, so, and then look at, I mean, I, I hate to do this because it never works and it's absolutely wrong, especially considering it was like the 12th best SEC team against the number two AAC team. SEC zone three with a tap out from Texas A&M so far. They, they haven't exactly shown up in, in this bowl season. I know that they're not the best of the best teams 
uh, from the SEC. But they all three played group of five level teams, and Florida got smoked. Missouri couldn't hang with Army at the very end. And it, it you know, look what happened just now against uh, Houston for, uh, for Auburn. So there, there's something here that maybe there's a little shift, but Alabama certainly is Alabama, and it's not in my DNA to ever go against them in the college football playoff. Last for me here. All right, let's be real here, Pete. Um, Alabama's already playing this underdog thing, right? Will Anderson's out. We're, no one believes in us. They're gonna they're gonna beat Cincinnati by four touchdowns. Like, come on, like, they 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 want they care like they want to win this game. That's why players come to Alabama to win a championship. Like, Cincinnati cannot line up man to man for sixty minutes and stay and keep this game close unless they pull out trick plays, force a bunch of turnovers. Like, if this game was in week one. Alabama would be what a twenty-four and a half point favorite. Like it's just thirteen now because they play. I just I don't think this game is going to be close. Put it like that. I, you're not crazy. I mean, look, it, it, I, I I've fallen for this before, and I fell for it last year too. Where the idea where oh, like look at Alabama, they struggled in the SEC championship game against Florida, and they had this little blip here, and they, they looked beatable. What they do? Boom, boom, just just crushed right. Home. I thought they were going to crush Notre Dame, but I thought Ohio State was going to have them. And yeah, I know Justin Fields got hurt and there were injuries, but no, that was never going to happen. Uh, you're right. Bet against or go against Alabama and the points at your own peril. It just doesn't seem to work. Look, it would be a it would be a good thing for college football if Cincinnati at least kept this close. I do think America as a whole it would be really bored or wouldn't like. Uh, an Alabama-Georgia rematch. I think Michigan getting there would be a really fun, really big deal. Uh, but at the end of the day, if you like the best of the best, Alabama versus Georgia part two, that would be really, really good. That would be a fun, fun game. He's MrCollegeFootballNews.com. Find him on Twitter at Pete Futek. Pete, we appreciate the time. Happy New Year. Enjoy the uh, bowl games that we have and then the semifinals coming up. Talk to you again Absolutely. soon. Absolutely. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Can uh, Dan Wojcicki of the L.A. Times, I know he covers the NBA, but would you like to get behind us in this developing of the handball, Dan, uh, to maybe spice up this? I feel my sodium count's going up as we sit here discussing just a giant bowl of ham. Um, (laughs) And also, like, I mean, like, my first blush is like ah, kind of more of a platter dish than, than it is a bowl. Yeah. But I think I could go for a bowl of ham if the, yeah. the circumstance was right. I'd love to see them paint the ham at midfield. You know, just a few slices coming off of that. I think uh, I think, uh, I think, think it could work. Um, by the way, to bring you in on the conversation we had before we called you up, Dan, how interested are you in seeing the HBO series about the Lakers that comes out in March? We just talked about Magic Johnson yeah. not being really interested, but uh, how interested are you, are you in watching this? I was already interested. Um, and then hearing that you've got principal people that are not interested and don't really want it makes me um makes me feel like it's gonna be good right and and it's gonna be fun um that like it might you really capture like the forum and all its uh white lined glory from the early (laughs) i'm I'm, I'm wondering if that you 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 get the sense that it's uh it's not going to be the the greatest look for the brand on the whole but uh I'm excited. I mean, look, right? Like, I don't have to worry about explaining anything to my wife. 
So that's that's obviously uh, part of it as well. Uh, So obviously the the Jordan doc did great last year during the pandemic. There was a lot of national interest in Michael Jordan and those Bulls teams. Do you think there's a national interest for the Showtime Lakers? Um, It won't be the same, but but is there enough to where America will watch this show like we did last dance? So um, probably not in the sense that obviously, right, like it's going to be to a smaller audience because it's going to be on HBO. And then also too, right, because it's uh, dramatized. Like I think that the risk, right, you always run in. And I'm sure there's like sports people involved in this, right, like that, like Adam McKay, Wolf, you know, like Adam McKay specifically, right, is a sports fan. Um, like when you do these things, uh, you have to, if you're going to film like the basketball scenes or whatever, like it has to sort of look like basketball. Like that's like – you know, growing up, um, you know, born in the early 80s, like living through like kind of like in Chicago where I grew up, like there was a Michael Jordan movie, right? A Dennis Rodman movie. And like they were atrocious. And because like the dudes never looked like the people, they they couldn't find anybody who looked like Michael Jordan or Dennis Rodman. And they couldn't play basketball, right? It was, it was a joke. I think like as long as this stuff gets handled like that, like that plus like the details and like, you know, making it look like an early 80s thing, like I think people are going to be into it, right? Like, is it going to be like the last dance? Like, probably not. But like, maybe it's something we talk about. You know, the the way that people talk about, you know, the latest episode of Insecure or, or you know, Succession yeah. or something like that. Like, I I, I think it could, it could reach that sort of threshold. Dan Wojcik joining us here. Yeah, I mean, God, I, the off-court stuff is, I mean, that that should be 99% of it. I, I sure hope it is. Let's talk about actual on-court stuff with the current Lakers. Dan Wojcik uh-huh. of the LA Times joining us here. So Russell Westbrook says, hey, fans, you know, I know you want the Russell Westbrook that's 25, 15, and 15 or or, or the triple-double days, uh, but that's, that's five years ago. What do actual Laker fans want from Russell Westbrook? Oh, man. Uh, I mean, I, I think mostly things that he can't do, right? Like, I think it, you would want him to be a guy who makes 42% of his threes and is a <laughs> lockdown defender and never turns the ball over, right? Is what I, I mean, it's seemingly what they would want. It, it's, it's always from day one, right? Like, it's been sort of a, an odd pairing um, in the sense that you've got – a, a play in Russell Westbrook who, and, and I don't think this, I don't mean this is a knock on him necessarily. Right. But like, he is like one of like the biggest thumbprint guys in the NBA. Right. Like you put Russell Westbrook on a team and like, no matter what you do, it is going to look like a Russell Westbrook team because um, if, if, if he's not doing those things, then like sort of what's the point of having him, you know, he's yeah. not a guy who just stands in the corner and, you know, like, shows up every, like, five or six possessions to do something good. Like, that's no. Like, it is an all-encompassing sort of, like, tornado of chaos. And either you're on board or you're not. And I think it was interesting all along, kind of some of the logic, right, was like, oh, well, like, LeBron can do less if Russ is here and stuff like that. Well, like, that hasn't worked out at all. Like, LeBron is actually doing more. His minutes are up. Um, and he's playing terrific, and it's not even resulting in wins. So, like, that's a huge problem in itself. The other weird thing is that statistically, like, Russell Westbrook, is, like, I mean, his scoring is down and stuff like that, but generally speaking, like, he's been a little more efficient than he has been in the past. Um, you know, he, he, the eye test will tell you, like, man, this, this guy is constantly blowing layups. You know what I mean? But he's, like, sort of, you know, 
right around kind of where some of the other players of his size and stuff are at the at the basket. He's attacking a lot. Um, to me, I, it's three things really that have kept him from from being, I think, what Lakers fans should want from Russell Westbrook. And it's like, A, you'd want him to be more focused on defense. He makes too many mistakes. He gets beat backdoor too many times and, and stuff like that. Like, that's a big problem. I think secondarily, right, are the turnovers. But to my previous point, like, this is what you're, you, you have bought a car without brakes. So when it crashes every once in a while, you kind of can't, you can't pretend to be surprised. You know, <laughs> that is what this does when you have him on your team. And then thirdly, I just think it's like shoring up, you know, um, a couple of those mislabs here and there. And I don't know if it's focus. I don't know if it's relaxing a little bit, taking some of the pressure off of himself. I don't know why he's missing layups, um, like open layups, um, not ones where he has to get around the defender or anything like that. I think if we were to shore those things up, I think, you know, we average in 23, 24 points a game. Oh, make a free throw every once in a while would be nice too. You know, we, we up them to like 22 points and then like, it, it just feels kind of different, doesn't it? But is it? But like, why was it expected that we would get a different Russell Westbrook in year? I have whatever no this idea. Is? I don't know. It's it, it it is it's a fascinating question. I, I don't know, and I think right like <clears throat> part of it I think is LeBron James, and LeBron James has been in his career sort of like um, this terrific problem solver for everything that he is is like an athletic marvel and a, a an incredibly hard worker and. Um, a terrific all-around basketball player. Like one of the things that I've always respected about him, at least in my time covering him, is that he's a problem solver. Uh, you, you know, and I think um, obviously his role in getting Russell Westbrook to the Lakers um, was not small, um, right? So, like in this mm-hmm. sense, he kind of created the problem. But, but I think it's you know, you look at a guy and, and it's like he felt like the Lakers needed more talent. Um, I tend to agree. I think they did. Um, and, and so, like, okay, well, like who can we get? And this is where they landed. And I think he believed he'd be able to figure it out. I, I, I mean, look, I will tell you, he probably still believes that. I, I, I don't think, I don't view LeBron as the type of person who would concede that point at this point, even though it hasn't gone well. Um, it's just, you, you know, the, when I've talked to him, and, and he said this plenty of times in public too, it's just like you look at this Lakers team and it's just sort of, you know, um, it's a total, they view it as an incomplete. Um, they've had injuries. They've got no continuity. Um, how could we judge this team? I, I would say, and I've written this, well, you blew up your roster from last year and you signed a bunch of older guys. So, of course, you weren't going to have continuity. And, of course, you were going to have injuries. So it's sort of like kind of, you know, like you built it and you, you buy it. How far, Dan Wojcik joining us here on Fox Sports Radio. How far away are they from the bubble title? Like, are we? Talk, I mean, I mean, is it you know miles upon miles? You just said they yeah. just blew it up. I mean, that that was less than two years ago. But here we are. They're in the ninth seed and lost five in a row and could go to six if they lose in Houston tonight. Yeah. Look, I, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you right now. Like, just from someone who was in the bubble and who covered this team last, it, it just feels like forever ago. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I think that's the the mental and emotional sort of overall strain of, you know, the last few years. And look, um, they're not alone in terms of teams that, like, carried the bubble with them throughout last season. I mean, Miami um, was a shell of itself last year, you know, after in the bubble, um, you know, heat culture being <clears throat> rightfully so lauded as, as this, like, eternal toughness, you know, like, I mean, like, they were cooked last year. And, and I think, um, you know, in talking to some players on that Lakers team last year, it was just like, 
you know, they did their best to put on a brave face, but I mean, you know, they they were they had a month of an off season. A bunch of guys didn't even work out. Um, you know, Anthony Davis came into camp out of shape. He got hurt. LeBron James gets hurt. Like, that team was that team was exhausted. They had they were out of fight by the time that the year ended. And you know, they, they've reshuffled so much. Like things do look very different. Um, you know, it seemed like they had a formula. Um, for how to win around LeBron James, and that was to be really big, play really tough defense, and have, you know, not great shooters, but like, you know, the right kind of two-way players that in a playoff series, you know, you, you could have a guy like Contavious Caldwell-Pope on the floor and not freak out about it, right? Because um, you know you defend, and um, or Danny Green, like these are competent shooters. Um, they went away from that strategy this summer. I mean, they, they leaned really heavily into like offensive-minded players, um, and what we've kind of seen is a team like weirdly that stinks on offense. Uh, <laughs> you know, um, it, it seemed like they were going to be a team that was going to have to play super fast and outscore everybody and run and stuff like that. They've become kind of a, a decent defensive team. Um, part of that is a really easy schedule they played, which is another big reason to be concerned about them. But it, it's it's just a it's just a guys it's a it's a weird group and um, it, it it's. It's hard to think of them as a contender, um, except for the reason they have LeBron James. I mean, that's really, I mean, they have LeBron James. That's the reason. It's a good one, but it's kind of the only one. So the Lakers have typically won in in kind of dynasty mode, right? The eighties uh, and then the early two mm-hmm. thousands, they went you know, they went to four titles, uh, four uh, four uh, finals, one three, and then a couple years later they went to three and one two, right? With uh, with Kobe and, and Paul Gasol, this feels like a one and done for LeBron, right? One championship for the Lakers, and that's it. How will Laker fans view this LeBron run? Because they they the Lakers typically don't kind of do one off championships. Yeah, I mean, look, right? Like they they have no problems embracing a great player and making him one of their own. Of right? course, like this is a fan base that that vehemently hated LeBron James <laughs> for the first fifteen years of his career because he he threatened Kobe Bryant's throne, right? And um, you know, it's while he's not embraced the same way necessarily as Kobe Bryant and stuff like that. Like, I mean. Uh, guys, here's a great example, right? Like, you should hear the cheers in Staples Center when Carmelo Anthony checks into the game. It, it was like he was born in Inglewood or something. It's like wild, that, right? Like, like in the grew up in, in, inside of Staples Center or whatever it's called now, the Crypto.com Arena. It, it's it, they have no problems like kind of co-opting that type of a thing and, and making it their own. I mean, this is what they do. They they, they either create stars or, or they or they they embrace them. Um, it's it's one or the other. So. You know, what's his overall legacy as a Laker? I mean, he's going to get his jersey retired there. Um, you know, probably not two of them, like Kobe. But they will, they'll retire his number probably at some point. Um, I mean, is it a statue? I don't know. That seems, that seems crazy, but yeah, I think I, I, it's... It, it also, guys, one, one other thing, too, really quickly, and I know I'm rambling a little bit here, but... I thought it was kind of interesting what David Fisdale said to us yesterday, and it's sort of like, you know, like the league's kind of at a transition point too right now, right? Like we've seen that that's – I asked the point blank. I'm like, did you think this team's overall greatness would be good enough to get past these continuity issues and stuff like that? And and he seemed to think – he seemed to think, no, man, like the league is good right now. And, you know, it's harder to out-talent people than maybe – 
it would have been two or three years ago when the Lakers were close to being in their prime. Yeah. It, it, no, it totally is different. Dan, we, we, we appreciate the time. I know you got stuff Thank to you. deal with, so we, we appreciate it. Happy New Year, and uh, can't wait to talk to you again. Thanks, guys. Have a happy New Year. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific. I'm George Reister, host of the Reister or Wrong podcast. This is the intersection where sports, business, society, and pop culture meet the truth absolute fire on mondays wednesdays and fridays facts only make sure you check your feelings at the door because no bs is allowed we keep it 100 this is where real conversations happen listen to the right or wrong podcast on the iHeartRadio app apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts no holiday bowl tonight, but you've got us. Welcome aboard. It is Fox Sports Radio, the Doug Gottlieb Show, brought to you by one of our favorite cities, Las Vegas, the greatest arena on earth. Every game, match, race, and competition, it is always on. Whoever you root for, whatever sport you love to watch, the biggest games are even bigger in Vegas. So make sure to plan your trip today. As Visit Las Vegas. Dot com. Find Jeff on Twitter at Jeff Schwartz. You can find me on Twitter at Dan Bayer on Fox. You got any keen betting advice? You know, we see you on Fox Bet Live. And uh, you got anything that we should uh, maybe jump on in the time I mean, being I, while while games are still being played? Yeah, the 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 line. Oh, you mean for tonight? Or any, any game. Could be Saturday. Well, I, could be New I mean, Year's I, Day. I, could I, be the semifinals. I like Utah to, to win against Ohio State. I like that even before the Ohio State opt-out news. <laughs> Yeah, the NFL no. lines are are very very stinky this week. I don't know if you've looked at them. They are they are atrocious. They're bad, um, and so I can't give you anything on the NFL. I need to do, I need to do some more work on that one first because the NFL is is ugly, buddy. I just it's funny the uh, Rose Bowl with uh, Utah and Ohio State. Utah fans uh, coming out in full force. And they can oh, make the uh, there'll be a lot of know. Utah fans in that game. Yeah, there there could be 60,000 Utah fans. In fact, yes. Ohio State sent back some of their ticket allotment, which I think also shows the motivation of, of their fans and maybe the motivation of that team going into the game. Utah seems to be uh, uh, obviously motivated. Their first ever Rose Bowl appearance in doing so, uh, now as a member of the Pac-12 getting that opportunity while Ohio State, you still wonder if they're stinging from their loss to Michigan. You mentioned Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson. Not only that, uh, starter on the offensive line and defensive line, not going to be playing in the Rose Bowl, which is which is crazy to think of, Jeff, because you come from Southern California. Yeah. That's where you were born and raised. I was born and raised in North Central Wisconsin, and so those places are not like any. They are not like each other at all. But there is one common bond, and that is the love and the connection of the Rose Bowl and just just seeing this game and it's not just the opt-outs of Ohio State and, and players not playing in the Rose Bowl. It's actually an even bigger picture because to me, the Rose Bowl will never be the same. And some people feel like it has, hasn't been the same since they got into the playoff rotation or once it was put into the BCS National Championship game. It was still fine for me in that point because there were opportunities where you still would have a Pac-12 Big Ten matchup. It may not be every single year, but I kind of came to terms that now every you know three years it may kind of veer from, from the normal, but you're going to likely get to a Big Ten Pac-12 matchups in a three-year cycle. That is not 
going to happen, I think, once the college football uh, playoff expands. I think now with the opt-outs, it's changed. I just, uh, as someone who's loved the Rose Bowl, and I know that you did too in growing up where we did, it's very sad for me to think that the Rose Bowl is all of a sudden becoming uh, or won't be what it always has been. Yeah, so uh, my parents are, are UCLA grads. I've probably been, and they have seen tickets to the Rose Bowl since the 70s. I, I probably have been to 50 UCLA games in my life. I've been to one Rose Bowl. It was Texas and Michigan the year before. Uh, excuse me, it wasn't Texas, Michigan. It was Michigan and, uh, no, maybe it was Michigan, Texas was, yeah. the year before Texas, uh, USC played the Rose Bowl. Um, and, you know, it's the granddaddy of them all, right? It's it's a game that is very kind of near and dear to my heart. It's a game that, that I love. It's a Pac-12 guy. He went to Oregon. You know, that was a game that I always wanted to play in, right? It was the Rose Bowl. And, you know, because of, of the College Bowl playoff, and I think this is a, a real downside to the College Bowl playoff, and, and, and I'm for expanding it, but I just think this is still, there needs to be downside either, either way, is, you know, for Ohio State, it was playoff or bust for them this season, right? Yes. And even though they've won 10 games, they've had a good season. They deserve to be in a Rose Bowl. This game is looked at as less than because they didn't they didn't make, and even they didn't win their conference, they didn't make a playoff. You know, Oregon, Oklahoma play tomorrow night in the Alamo Bowl. Obviously, there's some weird things happening with coaches there, right? I mean, Stoops and whatnot and mm-hmm. Oregon staff. But they're two 10-win teams that are almost that, that like fan base. I feel like disappointed to play in Alamo Bowl. And though, I mean, Alamo Bowl, two of Oregon, Oklahoma, Oklahoma fans want to kind of get revenge on a 2006 game that, that we beat them in. But like, there's the the playoff has diminished the the excitement there should be for winning 10 games and winning your conference. It's a great thing. Now, luckily for this Rose Bowl game. We have a team in Utah who is over the moon to be at this game, right? It's the first yeah. time they have won the conference since they joined in 2012. It is the first time they've ever played in a Rose Bowl. It's a team that started one and two this year, switched quarterbacks, and lost one game between that, which is Oregon State at Oregon State. It's a team that's had to overcome a lot of hardship, right? They had a player about a year ago now who accidentally passed away from a gunshot wound. They had another player who was murdered this season. I don't know if people yeah. have realized that. Aaron they were Lowe. best friends, yeah. Yeah, they were, they were, again, th- that as well. And, and there were 10 or so players at that party that saw that happen. And so they've overcome a lot this season to even just win games, but then to beat Oregon twice in, in, in the way they did. And mind you, everyone in Utah would have told you, hey, next year's our year. Right? They started nine new guys on defense. Yeah, they had a quarterback change midseason, not even midseason, early in the season with Cam Rising replacing Charlie Brewer. And so for this game, they want to be there. They want to win this game. They And to them, it doesn't matter whether or not Ohio State is playing at 100% or everyone's there. To Utah, it does not matter, should not matter. And bowl game motivation, unfortunately, is a big part of how we handicap these games, right? Yeah. And Utah wants to be there. Utah style of football, run the football. Now, their offensive line is not as good as Oregon's or Michigan's, who do both dominate Ohio State's front. But the idea is still there, right? We just run the football. You play action pass. Cam Rising, Utah's quarterback, does not turn the ball over. He's actually more mobile than he probably gets credit for. And with with Utah's, you know, with Ohio State's two best wide receivers out, that that fear of stretching the field is not is is there, right? Because those guys aren't there. 
So I think Utah wins this game outright, but the Rose Bowl to me is always sacred. And look, Dan, there also needs to be conversation with the Rose Bowl. Hey, guys, I get it. I get why it's a sacred game, but the sport's moving on without you. You yeah. better get in line now and, and, and well, be a team player. Well, even even if they get in line, it changes everything. And I think that's the difficult part of all of this is there's – first of all, like in the, in the Utah scenario – it shows you how important it is. It's not that like Utah hasn't played in big bowl games before. They absolutely have. They won the they Fiesta Bowl over Bulls, Pitt. Yeah. yeah, they 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 in Urban Meyer's perfect season, they beat Pitt in the Fiesta Bowl. They went to the Sugar Bowl and beat, beat it in Nick Saban. Yeah, Nick Saban led Alabama squad. They've won those games before. They've went to those games and won those games. But this is different, being the Pac-12 champion, and that's what made the Rose Bowl so unique and I know I I don't know Jeff I don't think that there are but I'm sure that there are some nostalgic fans in the south and some that love the Sugar Bowl maybe they love the Orange Bowl those bowls have kind of their 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 luster has kind of gone off as the BCS and the college football playoff have now been in place those bowls maybe aren't as unique anymore but the Rose Bowl still was different because of the setting because of what was at stake because because, as we said, you're from Southern California. You're from a UCLA family. I'm from the upper Midwest in Big Ten country. That was always something that you looked forward to. And now you expand the playoff. Yeah. If you if the Rose Bowl didn't get in line, now you're talking about the third place Big Ten team against the fourth place Pac-12 yeah, team. Vice versa, yeah. Yeah, way, yeah, yeah. Whatever, whatever way it is. So it's not yeah. like the same that it is right now. And then if you get if you do get in line with it, there's no way that you're going to automatically get a Big Ten versus well, Pac-12 yeah. matchup. You'll just have the seeds of you yeah. know whatever matchup or whatever it would be. So so this Rose Bowl as we know it now is just about to change, and we will it will never be the same again. And as a longtime lover of the game, and as you are yeah. as well, I think it's 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 a bit of a shame, but it's it's reality. Yeah, but but I will I'll push back a little bit on that. I I, I do understand your point, but we've had. Yeah, we had Texas USC in the Rose Bowl. That that game wasn't diminished because it wasn't a Big Ten. You know, that was a championship game, obviously, maybe the best game ever, but it wasn't diminished because of that, right? We had Oklahoma and Georgia a couple years ago in the playoff, actually four years ago now, right? The double overtime game. That wasn't diminished because it wasn't a Pac twelve Big Ten matchup. I mean, I think the, the, you're still gonna get a good football game. It's just not gonna be the teams that you expect to be there, but the setting is still the same. Yeah. You should still get a good game. And I think that it's odd because I never thought players would opt out of the of the Rose Bowl. I, heck, I never thought Kenny Pickett, a quarterback, would opt out of a New Year's Six Bowl game with a team that hasn't been there in like 15 years. Mm-hmm. So it's all new. And again, I, I don't begrudge any players yeah. for doing that. I, I get it. I'm fine with it. Um, but I think I think it's still looked at, especially in the Midwest and and in and, and the West Coast, as the Grand Table. Now, the South, I don't really care. I I, I think. I think fans are excited to go to Southern California in the winter and excited to see the Rose Bowl and be there, but the nostalgia is not quite the same as it is for for me and you. And I also yeah. think too, the, the you know this alliance, right? The Big Ten, Pac-12, and ACC. I mean, the Big Ten and Pac-12 typically have aligned academically over the years, right? They've aligned in, in kind of sports success, and so I think it meant a lot to play that game with those two conferences. Yeah, I I, I agree, and that's the part of it, like. I understand that there were great games. Like there were there were, you know, magnificent games when it wasn't Big Ten versus Pac twelve and maybe it was just one of the conferences representative, but 
represented. But when you have the opportunity to know that, all right, even even in a year when like this year, for example, I thought would have been the case. Maybe it's not now with what we talked about with Ohio State. You're not in the semifinal. You're not in the college football playoff. However, there is still excitement. Ohio State went to the Rose Bowl a few years ago against Washington. They were left out of the college football playoff, ended up being Urban Meyer's last game. But there was still excitement about that game. Like that would be the consolation prize. And the Rose Bowl never was considered a consolation prize in years back. But considering how the Sugar Bowl and maybe the Orange Bowl have looked differently or even the Cotton Bowl as we talked about, like the Rose Bowl still had some cachet. And I just think that it will always have the cachet, but it will never be how you and I grew up and watched the game. It held on like to those final few threads over the last decade or so of still having that Big Ten Pac-12 thing, but it's never going to be the same like like we had hoped for it to be. Now, not to disparage Utah at all, but if Ohio State was playing USC, do the players opt out, you think? Yes, I do. I don't think it has anything. I I agree with you there, but I think this game has looked at differently if you're playing USC and not Utah. Sure. Yeah. 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 I think I think so as well. I, I don't think that there's as much hype about this game either, um, as opposed to maybe if it this was. Gonna be a, I, I, brand, I took Utah but, plus seven. It's now like plus five. I think. Um, I'm I'm a Pac-12 guy. I mean, I need yeah. to write. I'm literally getting off this show at uh, in what with an hour and going right into my. We I actually moved our show up an hour. How about this? We we moved our show up an hour to do a Holiday Bowl preview. Um, <laughs> so the Holiday Bowl was going to be played. Our show oh. will be seven to nine Eastern. On, on Sirius XM 373, where we moved to 6 to 8 Eastern to put a holiday bowl out. So we had like this whole UCLA show. So we had like UCLA guests and we had all this stuff for the bowl. We had NC State guests yeah. and our producer had to scrap it all and we'll just do a regular show. Um, so I am very excited for Utah. Obviously, I, I don't know if anyone else on national radio is going to talk as I did about Utah. So I am personally excited for the game. As you mentioned, Utah sold every time they have sold tickets, they have sold out immediately. They, they have some, someone paid for all the students to go to the game. Yeah, it's going to be a, a, a wild atmosphere for Utah fans. I don't know if the Ohio State contingent will match that energy. The 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 the, the whole scenario. I grew up. I I've been an Ohio State fan since I was young, and and I the there is just not the same sort of excitement. Uh, for this game, it's not meant. It's not meant to be a knock at Utah at all. I think it's the disappointment of of not beating Michigan and not getting into that Big Ten title game that just kind of sucked the air out of things. And now you kind of have these withdrawals, kind of make it a little bit more. So yeah, it just doesn't seem to well, have so the okay, buzz so you, that it once did. So you're an Ohio State fan, yeah. How do you feel about this game? Oh, I I, yeah, I think that Utah is a really good chance to win. No, Ohio I, State's I, best I, linebacker I is that. a former I'm, running back. I'm, um, I'm, I mean, like, like how do you, like, for example, Oregon, like I said, Oregon or Oklahoma's tomorrow. It's the first time in my life I have not cared about a bowl game. Do mm-hmm. not care. Like, just get to next season. We, we yeah. have a brand new coach. Like, how, that, the feeling you have, not not the matchup, but the feeling you have sure. for this game. Yeah, it, it's not as, is not as, uh, immediate it's not as exciting i've been yeah. since i've lived in southern california I've, I've, when ohio state played oregon in, in the yeah. new year's day 2010 and then against right. washington you, was don't, that, you, don't to, you know you don't have to remind me okay no it's just in those you, two matches i went. went back this year take that ohio state <laughs> but the the i'm yeah not ex, not as excited this year i don't think the, i mean tickets on the secondary market were under 100 bucks i mean that's 
Yeah, that's, that's surprising. I mean, I'm sure Utah fans are still – it's going to be a sea of red no matter what. It's just going to be a lot of U's and U's yeah. out there instead of uh, Buckeye nuts. But that's – yeah, It's. It, it, I think that that also reflects on how this game is being viewed. Yeah, it, Rose it does reflect that. Um, yeah. By the way, the NFL, Schefter just announced the NFL is adopting a new five-day quarantine guidelines. That puts Carson Wentz on the field against the Raiders. Is it from t- from today? Doesn't he have to be activated? But he could be activated by Saturday. So they, then- w- w- the 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 way it works is you activate the player off the COVID list. It doesn't mean they're at, they're on the active roster for the game. So like the Chiefs did that with Travis Kelsey. They created a roster spot for him, but then did not activate him for the game because he didn't pass the he didn't pass the, pro- the protocols. There it is. So it's something to watch. But they, they, we knew that this was kind of in, in the works. Now it is in the works. Isaac Lauren Crown will have more coming up in about 15 minutes. He is Jeff Schwartz. I'm Dan Beyer. This is the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Real credit card questions require real people, someone who understands your issues and works to resolve them with you. That's why Discover offers helpful U.S.-based representatives available 24-7. Discover, exceptionally common sense. Get Jeff on Twitter at Jeff Schwartz. You can find me on Twitter at Dan Byer on Fox. Why one future Hall of Famer should take the advice of a Hall of Famer. We'll explain next year on Fox Sports Radio.